Hello and welcome. My name is Jackie Lindahl and this is the Fit Like a Girl podcast. I am a mom, wife, an avid coffee drinker and weightlifter as well as a personal trainer and I own my own company called Fit Like a Girl Personal Training. In this podcast, I will help you reach your weight loss and fitness goals with no BS advice, cutting through all the myths and the crap that is out there so that you feel empowered and confident in reaching your goals. Along with fitness and health, I will also talk about many other subjects like mom stuff, life stuff, business, money, and so much more. So grab a coffee or put on your headphones and go for a walk and let's chat. Hello and welcome back to the Fit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Jackie Lindell. I am your host. In today's episode, this is episode number 14, episode number 14 of the podcast. And I just want to give a quick thank you to anybody who has taken the time to listen to the podcast, send me a message about something that you heard on the podcast, uh, downloaded it, subscribed to it, whatever it might be, even if this is the first 30 seconds of a pod of my podcast you've ever listened to, I just wanted to say thank you. And I appreciate you taking a listen. Um, so today's episode, I wanted to go over five weight loss myths that I hear a lot. And in my experience as a trainer, I have come across a lot and have had questions asked about, uh, very common myths. So a lot of, there are, and I mean, this is five myths out of hundreds of weight loss myths, fitness myths, nutrition, health that are all out there on social media and stuff. And they're probably five pretty common ones that you've heard, or maybe you've come across on social media or just heard from a friend or something like that. So I thought I would kind of compile ones that I hear quite a bit and go over them. And probably in another episode, I'll go over five more and then five more, because like I said, there's a lot. So let's get into it. Five weight loss myths that I feel like really need to go away. All right. We're going to start with number one. Number one, this is probably one of the most common myths that I hear is for weight loss or fat loss, you must cut carbohydrates from your diet. So this one is super common, especially in this newer, newer age of keto diets, low carb diets, and all that kind of stuff that has come about in the last, you know, 10 years. I feel like the keto craze is finally waning down, but I still hear a lot of people talk about cutting out carbohydrates, cutting out, you know, bread and pasta and potatoes and rice and things like that. So let's, let's talk about this because it's super common for people when they're wanting to lose weight. These are the first things that they go to. First things first, let's just talk about carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are the body's primary source of fuel. When we need energy to move to, if you're doing a workout, if you're just going for a walk, whatever, your body needs energy and it uses energy in the form of glucose. Carbohydrates, when they are digested, are broken down into glucose. Glucose and glycogen. Glucose is used pretty much almost immediately, or it is to be used really quickly. And glycogen is going into storage, usually in your liver or muscles. And it is used if all of your glucose runs out. So we need carbohydrates. And there's a big, you know, misconception with carbohydrates as to why they 
there's a big misconception with carbohydrates that we don't actually need them for energy and things like that, but we do like, you're not going to perform as well or feel as good on a low carb diet than if you are on a more moderate carbohydrate diet. So when you're on these low carbohydrate diets or you are on a keto diet or something like that, you'll probably hear people commonly say that they're low energy, they're tired, they don't feel like they have enough energy for their workouts and stuff. And this has actually been shown in studies where people do low carbohydrate diets that you're not going to have as good as much energy in the gym. Your lifts aren't going to be as great in the gym. And yeah, there is definitely an adaption period with going into a low carbohydrate diet and your your body will adapt to a point. But at the same time, why do you feel the need to cut out an entire food group? We all know, I mean, by now, if you've listened to more than one episode of my podcast, you will know that when it comes to weight loss or fat loss, it comes down to calories. The laws of thermodynamics, you have to intake energy through fuel, which is a calorie is just a unit of measurement for energy. So when we intake calories through food, we are intaking energy. And when we are moving, walking, talking, just breathing, heart beating, we are using calories to create that energy. So it is an energy balance. Now, obviously there's many different factors that go into this. People's metabolisms can vary. Hormones can vary, you know, things like diabetes, hypothyroidism, all of these things play a role in how your metabolism uses up these calories. But at the end of the day, it comes down to calories. So let's talk about why do people lose weight when they cut carbohydrates? Okay. Because a lot of people will go with the argument of whenever I cut carbohydrates, I lose weight really quickly. And then when I bring carbohydrates back into my diet, I gain weight really quickly. So let's talk about that. When you cut out carbohydrates, you will quickly lose a lot of water weight because carbohydrates such as breads, pastas, rice, the more carbohydrate dense foods that we all think about when we go to cut carbs, those foods have more carbohydrates in them. Yes. But carbohydrates, when they are digested in the body, they absorb a lot of water. And so when you eat more carbohydrates or carbohydrate, if you eat more carbohydrates than what you're used to, then yes, you might notice a fluctuation in water weight. So this is where when people cut carbs, they think, oh my gosh, I lose like five to 10 pounds super fast. That initial five to 10 pound weight loss that happens in a matter of a week or two weeks isn't body fat. It is water weight because you're not intaking carbohydrates, which normally absorb water when they're digested. So yes, when you cut carbs, you will notice an immediate, super quick weight loss. And when you start incorporating carbohydrates back into your diet, or you have, you know, you go out for a spaghetti dinner, you eat a loaf of bread, whatever it might be, a more high carbohydrate day, you'll notice that the weight, that your weight on the scale will fluctuate up. And that's because the more carbohydrates that you are eating, the water, your, it will absorb more water to help digest those foods. So that immediate, really quick weight gain, weight loss actually really has nothing to do with body fat. It's not a permanent weight loss. It is a temporary weight loss that all just has to do with water. This is also why when people are wanting to, for example, like fighters, when they're wanting to reach a certain weight for a fight or whatever it might be, and they have to weigh in at a certain weight, they will cut carbohydrates to help cut water weight so that they don't have that water weight fluctuations messing with the day that they have to weigh in. 
And then usually what they'll do, whether you're a figure competitor or a body or a bodybuilder or you're a UFC fighter, whatever, is they'll generally after they weigh in or after their competition, they will go and eat a heavier, higher carbohydrate meal to be able to function and to uh, be able to perform, especially if you're a fighter, to be able to perform on your fight. So again, carbs do not inherently cause weight gain or weight loss. This is super important. Calories are what causes weight gain or weight loss. Carbohydrates are important for energy. They are important for you to feel like you're functioning. And not only that, carbohydrates are delicious. Like who wants to go an entire life without eating bread? That's not a life that I want to live. So so yeah, so that's a big, probably one of the biggest myths. And it's something I even still will hear as a personal trainer. I will talk to a client and they'll say to me, I feel like I'm going to cut out carbohydrates because that's what I've done in the past. And that's what's helped my weight loss. Whenever I've tried to lose weight in the past, I cut out carbohydrates for a few weeks and I start losing weight immediately. And I always ask them, why do you feel like you have to keep going back to it? You say that you have to cut carbs again. What is it about it that you have to keep going again and again? Like, why do you have to keep doing it over and over and you can't just stick to it? And they'll say, well, it's hard. It's hard to not eat carbs. I like bread. I like pasta. I like cookies. Well, yeah, no shit. That's a miserable, very restrictive diet. And this is part of the problem with cutting out carbohydrates is that it's so restrictive that most people cannot realistically stick to it in the long term. They can't. And that to me is actually the biggest problem of it all is that it's so unbelievably restrictive that most people can't stick to it, but yet they feel like they have to keep going back to it because that's what's quote unquote worked in the past. And I'm telling you this now, if it quote unquote worked in the past, but it's not working now because you can't stick to it, then it doesn't work. So something to think about. One of the other reasons that people will lose weight when they cut out carbohydrates is if you normally eat a higher carbohydrate diet, and then you cut out a lot of those main carbohydrates and you replace them with vegetables, you're lowering your calorie intake, which is why you will lose weight. So if you cut out breads and pastas and rice and cookies and pastries and all these things, and you replace it with fruits and vegetables and salads and veggie stir fries and roasted vegetables in the oven, you're dramatically lowering your caloric intake, which will be what causes the weight loss. So when you actually lose weight, not just the initial water weight, but you're losing body fat and stuff like that, by reducing your carb intake, it's because you are reducing your calories, whether or not you see it, whether or not you're measuring it or tracking it, you are reducing your calorie intake that way because you're adding in more vegetables, more fruits, more nutrient dense, lower calorie foods. So it's not that carbohydrates are bad. It is definitely not that carbohydrates need to be cut out of your diet. Carbohydrates can add up quickly, especially foods like breads and pastas and stuff like that, if we're not paying attention to portion sizes, but they're not inherently evil. They are necessary for our bodies to be able to function properly. So quit cutting out the carbohydrates, watch your portions, 
you know, if you aren't sure where you're going wrong, start trying to track your calories and see if maybe that is something that you need to adjust or change. Myth number two, your body can go into starvation mode if you eat too little calories. So this is a popular myth and also a popular misinterpretation of what's called metabolic adaptation. So what people believe starvation mode is, is that if you eat fewer calories than what you're supposed to, you go on a low calorie diet, something like that, and your body, or you'll also hear this when people will say, oh, you're just eating too few calories. You were in starvation mode. That's why when you increased your calories, you started losing weight. Super popular misconception. Starvation. So that's what people believe starvation mode is, is that you're eating too few calories that your body is literally starving. So it holds on to body fat or you start gaining weight because you're eating too little calories. And I can understand why people can see this misconception because there is such thing as metabolic adaptation. Now I'll explain what metabolic adaptation is and why they're not the same. Metabolic adaptation is when you're eating in a calorie deficit consistently for a period of time, your body, and you start losing weight, your body's metabolic, your body's metabolism will adjust to those fewer calories. So that, for example, if I'm eating in a deficit on, you know, 1500 calories or something like that for a long period of time, there may become a point where 1500 calories isn't my deficit anymore or it's not as much of a deficit as it used to be. And I am, my weight loss is slowed down or stalled out. This can happen. And that's called metabolic adaptation. And however, though, a lot of people don't realize that a, you need to be really consistent in a calorie deficit for quite a while for this to happen. And B it's not the same as starvation mode in that when you are in a calorie deficit, you will always lose weight or body fat. Whereas if, so if I'm in a, so if I'm understanding metabolic adaptation, you will understand that you may need to adjust your calories after a certain period of time to adjust it so that you're in a little bit more of a deficit because your metabolism has adjusted to your previous caloric intake and, or this is where weight training and adding muscle mass can really help. It can help slow down that metabolic adaptation process because the more muscle mass that you have, the more calories that your body will require just to function on a daily basis. So again, starvation mode isn't the same as metabolic adaptation. And the other popular misconception with starvation mode is that people will say, well, I wasn't losing weight. I was gaining weight on eating this number of calories, we'll say 1200 calories. I was eating 1200 calories and I wasn't losing weight. Now I'm eating 1600 calories and I am losing weight like crazy. And it's because I was in starvation mode. No, it wasn't. You weren't in starvation mode. Chances are you thought you were eating 1200 calories, or maybe you were eating 1200 calories a few days a week, but then all the other days of the week, you weren't actually eating 1200 calories. You were eating well over 2000 calories because 1200 calories is far too restrictive. And now that you've bumped your calories up a little bit, you're finding that you have a little bit more wiggle room and it's easier to stick to. And that's why you're actually noticing weight loss. 
So that is where people will have that misconception with starvation mode and why when they increase their calories, why are they all of a sudden losing weight? It's because you were probably eating too few calories that it was hard to stick to. And you were sneaking in foods here and there, or you were having more cheat days than you thought, or you were having weekend binges, or you would just fly off the handle, but not really track those calories because Monday to Friday you were eating quote 1200 calories, but then Saturday and Sunday, you're eating, you know, three or 4,000 calories a day and not really noticing it. So when you increase your calories a little bit and you're still in a deficit, like I'm still in a calorie deficit, but I've increased my calories. It's easier for me to stick to because I have more leeway and it's not so unbelievably restrictive, which is why people will start to lose weight then. So that's where kind of the misconception of, starvation mode comes from. And I can understand why people, when they hear about metabolic adaptation and starvation mode and stuff that they might think that they're the same thing, but they are actually different. All right. Number three, you need to do hours of cardio to lose weight. So this is another popular one that comes up in, especially the cardio community runner groups and stuff like that, as well as just general people still truly believe that for weight loss, you have to do cardio. And it also comes from the, you know, notion of doing cardio, such as running, walking, et cetera, burns calories because it does, it does cardio and running or swimming or biking or whatever. It does burn calories because you are exerting energy. However, though, for weight loss, you don't need to do hours and hours with cardio. And there's a few reasons why. Number one, your body adapts really quickly to cardiovascular training. When you're doing cardiovascular training, you're training your heart and your lungs, your endurance and aerobic system, and your body adapts really quickly to it. So your body will actually over time when you are running or jogging or swimming or whatever, your bot, you'll notice that your runs become a little bit easier. Your first run Maybe you were dying and you had to walk every hundred feet because you could only run a hundred feet at a time. And now it's a lot easier and you don't feel as tired after your runs. It's because your body gets better at it. Your, uh, your lung capacity gets better. Your endurance get be- gets better. All these things happen because your body learns to adapt to it. And while your body is learning to adapt to it, making running easier or swimming easier, whatever it might be, it also becomes more efficient at it meaning that you burn fewer calories than you used to. This is why you still have people who are marathon runners that are overweight, that talk about how they want to lose weight and stuff, even though they run marathons and they're in excellent shape. It's because just running alone doesn't cause weight loss. Again, weight loss always comes to down to a calorie deficit. So if you're running and you're not really adjusting your calories and you run a lot over time, you're not going to be burning as many calories in your run as you think that you might be because your body becomes more efficient at it. And it's not a bad thing is what your body does. So this is where weight training can come into play. Weight training with what I've discussed before with a progressive overload, meaning over time, you're adding more weight, you're adding more reps and sets and things like that to continually challenge yourself to get stronger and stronger. Weight training over time will actually help your metabolism. Again, like I mentioned before, because it will help increase that muscle mass, which will help, um, 
it'll help increase that muscle mass, which in turn over time will help increase your metabolism. So hours and hours of cardio don't necessarily cause weight loss. At the end of the day, it does have to be a calorie deficit. And just because you're doing hours and hours of cardio doesn't necessarily mean that you're burning enough calories to be in a calorie deficit. Now, I'm not saying that ca that cardio isn't important. I had a phase at one time where I was very anti-cardio. Cardio sucks. I hate cardio. Cardio is important. It's important for your health, for your lung health, your heart health. It's important to get up and get moving. A lot of times when we're doing cardiovascular activity, we're getting up, we're getting outside, we're breathing in fresh air, all really good, important things. But you don't have to do hours and hours of cardio to achieve your goals. And you especially don't have to run. A lot of people, I still will, I'll be talking to a new client or somebody and they'll say, I don't want to run. It's like one of the first things that they'll spit out of their mouth when we're having a consultation call is I don't want to run. I hate running. And I go, well, I don't like running either. <laughs> You don't have to run to do cardiovascular activity. You could do walks. Walking is very underrated cardiovascular activity. Anyone at any fitness level can do it. Walking is a great physical activity or cardiovascular activity. Swimming is another great physical act or cardiovascular activity. Biking is another great one. Rowing is another good one. Just if you love martial arts, martial arts is always a good cardiovascular activity. Something that gets your heart pumping for even just 30 minutes a few times a week can make a significant difference in your health. But you don't need to kill yourself on the treadmill or go outside and run a marathon to reap the benefits of cardiovascular training. And you sure as shit don't need to try to aim to run a marathon or something like that just to lose weight. If you want to run a marathon, to run a marathon, to achieve a personal goal, whatever it might be, go for it. Awesome. You do you. But if you're feeling like you have to do hours and hours of cardio just to lose weight, you don't. What you need to do is adjust your nutrition, get some strength training in, and maybe go for a few walks a few times a week. Myth number four. This is a hot topic one. Hot topic. Tracking calories means that you have an obsessive eating disorder. So I'm bringing this one up because in the, the fitness industry runs on extremes. It runs on extremes of a lot of people thinking, you know, if you want to be fit and you want to lift weights, you have to be a power lifter. You have to be a bodybuilder or there's extremes of, you know, carbohydrates are bad for you here. Try this keto diet, this carnivore diet. There is all of these extremes. Okay. And people love to make extreme, uh, statements to get your attention, especially on social media and stuff. And this is one that I've seen a lot. So the diet industry is kind of turning itself back from diets, diets, keto, carnivore, paleo, whatever it might be to intuitive eating and anti-diet culture, which I think has a, I think on a whole is much more beneficial than it is harmful. However, though, there are some negative things to it. Like this myth here that tracking calories means just automatically that you have an obsessive eating disorder. And it's something that I've seen a lot in the anti-diet culture world where they've been very anti-tracking calories. You're 
shouldn't track calories. You should just eat intuitively. And if you do track calories, it automatically means that you have an obsessive eating disorder. And it's not that way. Yes, people who have eating disorders can, it can stem from tracking calories. It can. It can stem from having a bad relationship with food. You're obsessed with weight loss. You have an unhealthy relationship with yourself and you are projecting that onto tracking calories to help control this eating disorder. Yes, it can happen. However, though, for a majority of people, they don't know how many calories are in foods. They don't know about calories. The majority of people don't know about calories, what calories even mean for food. Is it, they don't understand that calorie is just a unit of measurement for energy. They don't understand calories for weight loss. They don't know how many calories are in a donut. They don't know how many calories are in hundred grams of chicken breast. They don't know how many calories are in an apple. Most people don't know these things because we were never taught. I sure as shit was never taught. And it's, Something that for most people, especially people who have trouble losing weight, can be helpful. Tracking calories for a short period of time doesn't have to be for forever. I am a big advocate of you do not have to track calories forever. However, though, for a good portion of people, the majority of the people that I've worked with, tracking calories for a period of time, whether it's a month, two months, three months, some people will track for a year and then they'll stop. I've tracked on and off for years. They get benefits from learning these things because you learn about portion sizes. You learn about what an actual serving size is. How many calories are there in chicken breast? How much protein is in chicken? I don't even know they learn from it. And that to me is what tracking calories. When I have my clients do it for a period of time is it's supposed to be a learning period so that you can learn to eat a little bit more intuitively. Cause I know for a fact when I first started and also the majority of my clients will also say my intuition when I first started was fucked <laughs> because I was eating way too many portions big portions. My intuition told me a lot of times that I needed to eat an entire large pizza to myself, which I could, but I didn't need to. And I didn't know about portion sizes. I didn't know how many calories do I actually need for my body. And by learning through tracking on and off for a few years, I learned about portion sizes. I learned about what works well for me, what doesn't work well for me, what you know, snacks I like and what the portion sizes for those look like, what kind of meals I can make, all of these things. I learned that carbs aren't actually bad for you. Neither is fruit. All these, they're very nutritious and you can fit all foods into your diet. All of these things I learned through tracking calories. And same thing with my clients. They'll track for a month or two months and they'll say, I didn't realize how much I was eating. No wonder I was having trouble losing weight for so long, but then they learn. And then through also tracking and stuff, we learn how to maintain, how to get at your maintenance calories and how to learn to maintain your weight so that you're not in this on off diet cycle for the rest of your life. It is helpful. That being said, I will also say tracking calories is not for everyone. If you have had an eating disorder in the past, have eating disorder tendencies, you are concerned that, you know, you've had bad relationship with food and you don't think that tracking calories is the way to go and that you need to focus on your relationship with food first. I a hundred percent agree with you. 
100% agree. If you have a bad relationship with food, if you've struggled with eating disorders in the past, whatever it might be, and you know that tracking calories is not the way to go, or you track calories in the past and it led to an unhealthy relationship with food, then that's not the approach for you. You would have to seek extra help for that. I would definitely recommend that. But just because someone is tracking calories or they're tracking their macros or something like that does not automatically equal that they have an eating disorder. And this is where, again, the diet the diet world swings on pendulums and the anti-diet culture world swings on a pendulum as well, where it goes, says the extreme things. And this is one of the extreme things that they say. Like I said, the anti-diet culture movement that is coming out right now, I feel like is overall very helpful. The body positive movement that you, you know, can be proud of your body no matter what size it is. And also the, you don't need to track calories for forever. Weight loss isn't the ultimate goal for everyone. Focus on health, focus on your relationship with food, all of these amazing positive things that are coming from the anti-diet culture world, hundred percent support. However, though the extremes, of course, cause there's always extremes. This is one of the extremes that it's a bold statement. That's not necessarily true, but people love to throw it out there. So keep that in mind. If you hear somebody talk about how, you know, they had a bad relationship with food, they tracked and they had an eating disorder and they tracked calories and it was a bad thing for them. That's fair. It was a bad experience for them. And it led to, you know, obviously having these feelings towards tracking calories and stuff. And that I can understand. However, though, it's not the case for everyone. Myth number five is another one that I hear a lot. And it's probably one that you've heard that if you've ever wanted to lose weight, you've said out loud to yourself. And that is when you reach a certain number on the scale or a certain amount of pounds in weight loss, that you will automatically be happy with yourself. And it's a very popular misconception, especially in the diet world where I will hear people say, once I've reached my pre-body weight or my pre-baby weight, once I've reached that weight that I was in high school, once I've reached 30 pounds weight loss, 50 pounds weight loss, whatever it might be, then I'll be happy with myself. Only then though, I will not be happy with myself along the way. I will not be happy with any other progress that I make until I reach that number. Then I will be happy. So this is unbelievably difficult to break people of this habit. And a lot of people tie their identity to the weight on the scale. And they, when they think of themselves as a certain weight, they think of themselves actually as a different person. When I was in high school, I weighed 130 pounds or I weighed 120 pounds. And they think about that person that they were then, and they want to be that person again. So they feel like if they lose weight to get to that number, whatever that arbitrary number might be, that then they'll be happy with themselves because they get to be that person again. But you don't. And just because you reach a certain weight doesn't mean that you're going to look the way that you want to look. You know, losing weight, yes, can maybe help people achieve things that they want to achieve, maybe get into a size they want to get into, whatever it might be. I don't judge people by what they want to do. But it might, but you're not going to look like Jennifer Lopez, you know, you're going to look like you, but a little bit smaller, maybe, or a different weight, maybe. And just because you're going to reach a certain weight on the scale or hell, just because you're going to be a smaller body and in smaller clothes doesn't automatically mean that you're going to be happy with yourself at the end of the day. 
And it doesn't mean that all of your troubles and all of your life is going to change. It doesn't mean that everything that you were self-conscious about previously is going to automatically change because if you don't do the work on what goes on between your ears and how you view yourself and how you think about yourself, you're not going to change your outlook on yourself. You're still going to be unhappy with yourself when you reach a certain weight or you reach a certain size or you just make yourself smaller. This is why I tell people not to pick a number on the scale as their ultimate goal. Because what if you don't, and I hate to use this phrase, but what if you don't reach that number or better yet, what if you do reach that number and you're still not happy with yourself and you continually think, okay, I've reached this number. I've reached, you know, 30 pound weight loss. Well, I'm still not happy with myself. Okay. 35 pounds. I'll be happy with myself. 40 pounds. I'll still be happy with myself. It's not going to work that way. And I actually went, I've actually gone through this more than once with clients where I had a client when I early in my personal training career, she had it in her mind. She wanted to lose X amount of weight. It was 30 pounds, 30 pound weight loss. And she did it. We did. We worked hard. She put her, all her heart and effort into it and made amazing progress in that time. Not only did she lose weight, but she increased her confidence, man. She got crazy strong and fit, like crazy strong. And, but when she reached that 30 pound weight loss, she was still not happy with herself and she was falling into that slippery slope of, okay, I just want to lose five more pounds. Okay. I just want to lose five more pounds. So her and I had to have a real come to Jesus one day when I said to her, how many five more pounds are we going to go through until you're actually happy with yourself? And she knew the answer. She did say out loud because she kind of knew which way the, she knew the direction that this uh, conversation was going. And she said, I don't know if I'll ever be. And I said, okay, so can we not make it about five more pounds, five more pounds, five more pounds and change how we create our goals? And we did. So this goes back to my previous statement of, I don't love it when people make number on the scale goals because it takes all the focus out of the journey when all you care about is that ending. But when you get to that end, that, you know, 30 pound weight loss, whatever it might be, and you're still not happy with yourself, it's going to be a rude awakening. So instead of focusing solely on the scale, focusing solely on just becoming smaller or a certain body fat percentage or whatever it might be, change your focus to performance related goals. And by performance related goals, that could be strength goals. That could be, I want to run a marathon. That could be, I want to be able to go on a hike with my kids. I want to, you know, do this hike that I've always heard about performance related goals in that it gives you a reason to keep going, especially with the workout side of things. If you want to achieve a certain strength goal, a pull up, a certain deadlift number, whatever it might be, that means that you have to work towards that. If you want to be able to achieve that deadlift, you have to be able to work up the weights to be able to get that deadlift. And during that time, you're going to get stronger and all of these things. And yeah, if you want to lose weight, that is okay, but I don't like putting a number on it. 
it's okay to want to lose body fat. That's the other thing that the body or the diet culture world is extreming on is that you shouldn't want to lose weight. It's okay if you want to lose weight. That's fine. I don't judge people for what their goals are. If you want to lose weight, that's fine. But I suggest not putting a date on it. Don't put a weight on it. Put a lifestyle on it. I want to lose weight so that I can go for walks and not be in pain after. I want to lose weight so that I can lose this extra body fat and be healthier because right now my blood pressure is high, my cholesterol is high, and I don't feel well and I don't sleep good at night. Excellent reasons. I want to lose weight because my bones and joints hurt and I want to hurt less. That is a perfect reason. But I don't want you to say, I want to lose 50 pounds because I feel like I'm going to be the number on the scale that I was in high school. And that'll turn me back into the person that I was in high school, or it's going to make me a different person. That is a journey, especially when it comes to body acceptance and loving yourself in the mirror. That is a very hard journey and a complicated journey. And I can't suggest a one size fits all answer. One thing I can suggest is getting some extra help outside of a personal trainer, definitely seeking some help from a therapist, somebody who has experience with body image issues and things like that. Definitely seeking some outside help for those things because it's not a one size all fits answer. And most of these things are a lifelong battle. Body positivity and feeling good about yourself at whatever size you are is such a hard thing to do. And it's something that most people battle with as a, from a young age or from the time that they were a teenager and go carry it throughout their life. So it's definitely something I suggest getting some help with for your journey. And yeah, so those are the five myths that I wanted to go over today. If you have suggestions of five of more myths that you hear and you feel like I should talk about them on the podcast, definitely feel free to shoot me a message. I hope that you found these helpful. And it, if you, even if you knew about all these and you knew that they were, you know, made up lies that, you know, at the very least you found it entertaining and I hope that you found it helpful. Um, Otherwise, if you are enjoying what I am doing on the podcast so far, I would love and super appreciate a five-star written review on iTunes. It just helps to increase the visibility of the podcast so that people can find this podcast and I can help more awesome people just like you. If you haven't already, you can also follow me on the social medias. I am, you can probably find me on Instagram. I'll post the link to my Instagram in the show notes. That's the easiest place to find me. And from there you can find my TikTok, my Facebook, uh, my YouTube that I haven't posted on in a year, all of those things, as well as if you are curious or want to know more about my personal and online training options, feel free to shoot me an email or head on to my website, www.fitlikeagirl.ca. And I can get you some information through there. You can contact me through my contact form. And otherwise, I just wanted to say again, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you taking a moment to stop by the podcast and take a listen. And until next time, take care, fam.